0: Nour Speaks is a weekly podcast that tugs at the soul and consciousness of the black community. With show topics such as youth empowerment, education, women's impact, and civic engagement, Nour Speaks challenges the listener to not only join the movement, but be the movement. On the show, you'll learn from insightful guests who have demonstrated capacity in these fields and more, and I'm your host, Nora Mohammed. Welcome to the show.
1: there's no way to medicalize ourselves out of this condition. Now, what I think is really driving it is the value proposition. There's no core value proposition in America for curing anything. The core value proposition is for managing disease. So I don't want to cure your diabetes, I want to manage it because now with when I was in training and probably when you were in training, other doctors were in training, Type 2 diabetes we didn't call type 2 we called it adult onset because you didn't see it until people were 55 and 60 years old now you see this diabetes happening in Teenagers and perhaps even younger as time goes along what happened? Why is that the case? to some who may make agents that they use for treating diabetes Now, instead of getting somebody at age 50 and maybe getting them to take stuff for 15 years, now they're going to get them at age 15 and maybe taking stuff for 40 years. So there's some misalignment of value propositions.
0: And welcome back to Nora Speaks. I am your host, Nora Muhammad. And the voice that you just heard was that of none other than Dr. Terry Mason. Dr. Mason is formerly the Commissioner of Health in Cook County, Illinois. And Dr. Mason has always been a wonderful resource, someone who we could trust to teach us and educate us about health. And this episode of Nora Speaks is titled Life and Death in the Kitchen, And as we know, black people in America suffer from chronic diseases at alarming rates. And this is a conversation that our community needs to have. This is a conversation that we need to have with our young people. uh, Because the greatest wealth that we could ever have is that of our health. And whether we know it or not, we enhance or destroy our health By what we do in the kitchen. So, as we open this episode, I'm just going to share um, some statistics that you may or may not know regarding uh, chronic diseases amongst Black people. Um, And these figures will be for individuals who are 20 years of age and older. So, high blood pressure. Um, We know high blood pressure can be caused by many things, stress, um, high salt intake, and other diet-related uh, factors. So the rate of high blood pressure in black males is 45% and 46% for women. In 2014, high blood pressure was the cause of death for 7,400 and 48 men and 7,276 women. Regarding high cholesterol, black men have high cholesterol at the rate of 33% and 36% for black women. Our obesity rates in the black community: this is 69% for our men and 82% for our women. Diabetes rates are 14% for both male and female, and we have deaths caused by diabetes at the rate of 6,400 for men in 2014 and 6,900 for women in 2014. Regarding heart attacks, 85,000 black men experienced a heart attack or a fatal heart attack in 2014. 70,000 women, black women, experienced a heart attack or fatal heart attack. And the cardiovascular disease rates are 46% for black men and 47% for black women. But we can't leave out, as we talk about chronic diseases and chronic health issues that are diet-related, we can't leave out cancer. And so the prostate cancer rate is 31% of cancer diagnosis for men and breast cancer is 32% of the cancer diagnosis for black women. And we always know that blacks have the highest rate of death from cancers. So these figures that I just shared with you, what do they mean? Well, this could be a wake-up call. Um, Having information helps us make good decisions. But we have to be aware that the lifestyle that we live, the habits that we have in our kitchens impact our health, so much so that we have 70,000 black women a year having a heart attack or a fatal heart attack and 85,000 black men. So what do we need to do in the black community and in every community but I'm specifically talking about us and our community, and again, I said you know earlier that this is a conversation that we have to have because often we uh, we although you know we are being more conscious about what we eat, there are uh, movements among black people who are now vegan or who are vegetarian, and this is good, and this is necessary. Um, But we also still have these alarming rates of disease. So this is a conversation that we have to have um, of all of the causes causes that we fight against, whether it's police brutality, whether it's um, uh, mistreatment, um, racially insensitive mistreatment by others, or if it's educational issues, um, if it's crime or poverty in our community. This is no less an important issue than any of that um, because again, health is our uh, greatest wealth and without this, then uh, you know we don't have the vibrancy to continue to engage in the kind of uh, social uh, activism that we need, so we have to pay attention to this. And I remember years ago, when Monique was uh, on tour uh, many, many years ago. And a lot of her comedy talked about her size, her weight at the time. And, um, you know, she had the the one act where she was calling um, thin women skinny bees. And you know what I mean when I say bees. And, you know, we would laugh and it was funny. But at the same time, there became a trend in our community to accept obesity, to accept that unhealthy condition um, of obesity among women. Um, and I, I used to think how how dangerous that is, uh, that it was her comedy routine, but she wasn't the only one. We had this movement almost of... Uh, women of large size and large stature, um, you know, talking about that condition in a way that um, was acceptable. Um, And there, you know, there were songs about it. And it kind of became part of, you know, our, our pop culture or our entertainment. And it's interesting because in other communities, You know, they are interested in health and, you know, they're, you know, yoga and jogging and swimming and hiking. And, you know, as black people, a lot of times we say, you know, um, that's what white people do, Um, but that's what healthy people do. And so what we did was we took a certain lifestyle and a certain diet and we accepted it as a black lifestyle or a black diet. So, you know, the soul food diet is very popular. And, at, you know, you can go to any black history program <laughs> around the country or in a school and they're serving fried chicken. You know, they're serving collard greens and they're serving macaroni and cheese for Black History Month because it is commonly accepted and known as, quote, soul food, food that black people eat. Uh, but a lot of the habits that we have and that we've accepted are not the healthiest habits that we can that we could choose and so when we know better we are compelled to do better so again what do we need to do to improve not just the longevity of our lives but to improve the quality of our lives we don't want to live to be 90, 95, or 100, and we spend the the last 30 years of that time battling chronic diseases, Uh, you know, I don't believe that old age should be a medical diagnosis. So as a community, as families, we have to begin eating to live and not living to eat. We have to know what to eat, we have to know when to eat, and we have to know how much to eat. And, you know, sometimes this conversation can be unpopular in our community because, you know, quite frankly, a lot of us, um, uh, we, our, our appetites control our behaviors. Um, not truth, not what's logical, not always what's in our best interest we're controlled by our appetites. And in this respect, I'm talking about the stomach appetite. Um, you know, what's good to eat? It's good to eat fruits and vegetables and whole wheat and drink water. But when we are uh, looking around at what's in our kitchen, um, when we're looking at what's on our table, we don't always find fresh whole foods. Um, you know, it's, It's so easy to find processed foods sometimes in the black community than to find whole foods, to find fresh foods. You can go to any store in the black community and some of the most readily accessible foods are processed, refined, fried, artificially colored, artificially flavored. Our meat is processed there's soda, there's sugary drinks, there's sugary snacks, uh, and and none of this is good for us. And then the other common theme that we have in our Black community are liquor stores, you know, and on on these corners, sometimes, you know, two liquor stores within one block, and so we're talking about teaching our children right and, and encouraging them to make good choices, but what they see and what they have access to sometimes is contrary to that. So we have to not just educate ourselves, or we have to take responsibility for what's in our communities. Um, and so for that, that means that we have to grow our own foods. You know, a lot of communities now are starting community gardens, and this is necessary. And this is necessary because not only... As I said, it's good that we eat fruits and vegetables in uh, whole foods. But some of the fruits and the vegetables and the foods that come even from the supermarket are somehow processed, some somehow mutated. You know, GMO or genetically modified now is a buzzword because they're modifying the food. So the foods that we eat may not, not may not, but definitely don't have the uh, nutritional value that foods did years ago. A carrot in 2018 isn't the same carrot <laughs> from 1978 uh, because of how they are modifying the foods. But even in spite of the modifications that we're doing to the foods, we still have to make the best choices. So potato chips and candy and hoagies and french fries. Um, you know, we have to be very wise about the choices that we that we make because these cancers, these the diabetes, the uh, cardiovascular diseases, they're coming from what we eat and what we don't eat. Um, and then we have a generation of young people coming up that are unfamiliar with how to operate in a kitchen. Some think that using a microwave is cooking. Um, Our people, we love ramen noodles or oodles and noodles, and we know that that is garbage. Not only is the sodium content through the roof, but those noodles, that's paste. Nobody, no person who cares about their health should be eating that. Um, That food is cheap and it's accessible for a reason. It is not wholesome. Um, But for many of us, we take what's quick, we take what's accessible, we take what's available. So if that is uh, how we're operating, then we have to change what's accessible. We have to change what's available in our communities. So, you know, they call many communities uh, where black people and brown people live, they call them food deserts. And they say this because of the lack of whole foods, the lack of nutritious foods. And, um, you know, our children develop habits at early ages. Uh, and it, it, it is very common to see young mothers giving their children um, corner store cookies or corner store potato chips and a little juice hug for breakfast, you know, with the greatest of intention of making sure she's putting something in that child's belly. But what she's putting in that child's belly is uh, detrimental to that child's health. And no mother in her right mind is uh, intentionally working against the health of her child but without resources and without a knowledge of what's best and without access to what's best, then we make the choices um, based on what we have. So we definitely have to increase our choices. And in terms of uh, developing habits, we have to, um, to develop a new habit, we have to control our appetites. Um, You know, in in my family in particular, I know that uh, high blood pressure uh, has always been a problem with many of the people in my family. And I just knew at a young age that was just not something that I wanted. So I never let myself get used to high salty foods because uh, the more salt you eat, the less salt that you taste. So then you need more salt to taste it. Um, and 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 salt is definitely a danger. They call high blood pressure the silent killer because your blood pressure could be high, and uh, you won't know it, you know. You may not know it until you know you have a stroke or a heart attack or some other health crisis. And we want to be about prevention. We don't want to be about an intervention after we're already in the health crisis. So we have to be aware of what to eat. We have to know when to eat. We have to know how much to eat. And we have to teach our children the same. Um, and if we bring our children into the kitchen with us, that is one of the f- most fun activities that you can do and that I can do with our children is bring them into the kitchen and cook and and, and in, involve them in the meal planning and involve them in the meal prep, um, and 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 make it a family activity. You know, there were times when I was when my sons were younger. And I would, you know, have to come home from work and I would have to cook dinner. Um, there would be times when I wanted to just get through it, but my son wanted to help. So I had to force myself to slow down and bring this child with me into this kitchen because he just wanted to participate. And how could I deny him that? You know, and so th- this is one of the ways that we help our children develop good habits. We help them develop the taste for whole foods. You know, I have a joke with a friend of mine who likes uh, peach smoothies from a certain convenience store here in Jersey, and I can't stand them because they don't have any peaches in them. I grew up across the street from a peach orchard. I love peaches, and I don't want a peach smoothie that doesn't have peaches in it, you know, and so I see my sons um, enjoying their smoothies that they make at home with fresh fruit or frozen fruit, um, and, and, and these are the kind of activities that will help our children develop the behaviors that can give them not just a long life, but a quality life. And so this is what it's about. Um, In the black community, we have to uh, think new thoughts and we have to develop new trends. Um, And we can't uh, just assume that other people have a monopoly on good living and good health and say things like black people don't hike or black people... Don't do yoga, or black people don't jog, or you know, the things that we say in our community. You know, we're quick to say that somebody's acting like a white person when they're doing something progressive and healthy. So, then what does it mean to act like a black person? So, we have to change our language, um, and we can have health and we can have wealth and we can prosper, but it's about the choices that we make. And, um, you know, this is a reminder your sister Nora, that we have to eat to live and not live to eat. Um, We want to have life and have life more abundantly. And this is an opportunity for us. You know, I I see this vegan movement on the rise. There's a lot of uh, documentaries that you can watch to help you with your dietary decisions. You know, and, and we don't need a lot of unique and special diets. We just have to remember to make sure we eat fresh fruits, vegetables, you know, whole foods, drink a lot of water. In fact, um, just get rid of soda altogether. Um, You know, soda has not only does it not have any nutritional value, but it's full of sugar and it really uh, is a non-contributor. So when we think about how we want our bodies to function and to perform, let us remember that it's going to function and perform to the extent that we fuel it. And uh, as parents, as aunts, as caregivers of children, we have to also be aware that the foods that we feed our children impact their learning capacity. It impacts their behavior. It impacts their moods. So, again, you know, the foods especially that have that red 40, these dyes and these artificial flavors and these artificial chemicals, just be wary. You know, consider this if we go to a pharmacy and we're prescribed a drug by our physician, the pharmacist is required by law to offer us counseling. So if you have or your child has an ear infection and you're picking up an antibiotic, you have to sign whether you accepted or decline the counseling that is your and my right to have so that the pharmacist can tell us, uh, anything we want to know about the medication, adverse effects, side effects, benefits, uh, all, anything that we want to know it is a pharmacist's obligation uh, legally, his legal or her legal obligation. But consider some of these very same chemicals are in the foods that we eat, and we're picking them up off of the grocery store shelves without any counseling. And these are the same chemicals. Some of these foods have the same chemicals that you may find under your bathroom cabinet and your cleaning supplies, so we have to be be very wary. And as you heard, Doctor Mason say in that that opening, that you know our values or the values in America is not about curing disease or about preventing disease. It is about managing disease. And someone who's managing disease is not someone who is uh, a person that's providing a cure. So the best cure is, is making the right decisions. The best cure is having knowledge of nutrition and knowledge of foods. And again, as I said, you can go on Netflix and see documentary after documentary talking about health, talking about, uh, foods, talking about the effects of sugar and the effects of fats. Um, and I would definitely encourage you to go online and even if you go on YouTube and, um, you know, search for Dr. Terry Mason. He's done great things. And uh, although he is a retired urologist, you will still find him sharing practical, practical ways for us to get healthy if we're not or stay healthy if we are. Um, you know, our, again, our, our health is our, fir- uh, is our first wealth. It is our best wealth um, because with that, we can do everything else that we wanted to do. So this is just a message about the opportunities that we have to extend our lives and to increase the quality of our lives by what we eat. Life and death is in the kitchen. And uh, remember, the greatest twin in the kitchen is not the microwave oven. I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, stay in peace. Thank you again for listening to the Nora Speaks podcast. Be on the lookout for another episode coming at you fresh next week. And as always, if you want to learn more about me and the work that I do, visit my website, norazahira.com. Or if you have a listener question that you would like me to answer on air, you can email me at questions at You can also follow me on Facebook at muhammad and on Instagram at Nora Z20. I'll be sure to include links to the above in today's show notes. If this show has value to you, please like and subscribe and share it out with family and friends and be sure to check out previous episodes. And remember, don't just join the movement, be the movement. Stay in peace.